everybody. Welcome back to We and You, where we talk about the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and a little bit about what's going on in our area. I am Terrence Sullivan. And I'm Brittany Cook. We're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn building. So welcome back everyone. Today is a very special episode to me because I get to interview my friend Summer and we talk about critical race theory in Tulsa. Can you hear me still? Yes. Perfect. So first off, no, thank you for doing this seriously because I was, eh, I was like, hey, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. So it's good to have someone to talk to about all the things <laughs> <laughs> absolutely very excited very nervous but also very excited nervous is pointless you're talking to me <laughs> fair enough yeah I mean let's just pretend like it's not recording and then we're just talking let's go with that okay yeah I was going to remind you that like the microphone doesn't hear you nodding your head so again thank you <laughs> I will I will be very forward about that from now on verbal affirmation always good um so <laughs> the f- first thing um that i wanted to talk about is the f- first i have a question for you okay you are recently graduated yes and in any of your schooling and, and we'll we'll talk through graduating high school first okay did did you ever hear about Tulsa and the Tulsa massacre I did not Not I really did not know I went to Cumberland High School and I know what about about in college went to two universities never came up two universities two universities did not come up once what are the two I only know of one uh usi and then iupui okay i knew you went to usi i didn't know you went to uepui uepui don't call it uepui no i yeah well that school's rude i'm kidding Uh (laughs) shout out to all the iupui people since there are 10 million campuses around indiana okay you know what moving on (laughs) no it's interesting because i never heard of it either until i was a sophomore junior in college and that was only because I took politics of the black community um, which was by far my favorite class in undergrad or one of them um, taught by Dr. Ricky Jones at UofL and we talked about that and I was like wait this happened and it's just interesting um, to know about things like that that have happened and to see the whitewashing of history. And 
I've heard from a few people who had heard about it kind of in their history or in school, but then it was called the Tulsa race riots, which then tries to put blame on both parties, which. Okay. So I'm going to pause, hit pause for a second. So since I have never heard of it, will Uh you give me a brief synopsis? So like I. Sure. So the Tulsa race massacre um, and I want to get my numbers accurate. So I will look it up as we talk, just so I don't tell you um, wrong on how many were killed. But okay. in Tulsa, <clears throat> and they marked the 100th anniversary the other day, and that's the reason I'm bringing it up. Um, and President Biden actually was there to talk about... Um, I just accidentally subscribed to something. <laughs> I feel like an old person, an older person using the computer for the first time. Should um, probably call your company and say, no, thank you. So President Biden was there the other day for commemoration, commemoration, you know, English is hard. It is hard. Yeah. It's not my second language, but you know. It is yes. mine. I, and you're doing a much better job than me. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Um, but no, so it happened in May of 1921 um, and the end of May and the first day of June. And so in Tulsa, there was a district, um, the Greenwood District of Tulsa, which was a center for black wealth um have you seen the watchmen at all please no i have not oh i'm sorry i have not seen it you're just letting me down today (laughs) i know okay (laughs) lately i've been completely frying my brain with the most useless information so this is a very good thing that i'm learning new things on this podcast so in greenwood um in Tulsa, it's an area. Um, it was where there were a lot of black people that had money or it was where black business thrived. And there was a section that was known as black wall street because it was just black wealth. Um, and so there's a backstory that we don't have to get into, but ultimately what happened was, the white residents um, had some issues with that being there. And Mm. they basically tried to kill everyone. Um, They burned buildings. When you you say everyone, you mean? The black people, the black residents. Of the community. Yes, they destroyed the neighborhood um, trying to basically burn it down, shoot, kill everyone there, all the black people just to get rid of them. Um, They blew things up, set fires. um, They flew planes over and tried to kill people. um, Just basically trying to wipe out that entire neighborhood where they sent over 800 people to the hospital, um, 6,000 or so black people had to go and stay in like 
warehouses and all that to hide. Um, eventually, there were about there's an, an estimate of about 300 people were killed, but they completely destroyed the area. Um, it allegedly stemmed from an incident where they alleged a black man of saying or doing something to a white woman. You know the story, how it starts. Um, Sounds a lot like Emmett Till, which, okay, but here's something that kind of I find really frustrating, okay? We learn in school about stories of Emmett Till, like we read books, you know, about like Tom Sawyer and all these things, you know, to kind of educate ourselves. And for people who uh-huh. don't see it, like I'm using like quotation marks when I say this. However, oh, when- No one sees it. I can confirm that. <laughs> <laughs> Funny, but um, it's mind blowing to me how this isn't even brought up as a topic in public schools. Yep. I mean, by the statistics you just stated, this is by no means like a small like incident. They try to wipe out. Uh, Yeah. And before you finish that thought, over 10,000 black people were left without anywhere to go. Um, And by equivalency of dollars it was a almost 33 million dollars in damage um and so t- ten thousand people left homeless because of them burning it blowing up burning down a neighborhood and you never learn about it in school i think okay so so i know there'll be people who say like well we can't mention everything that's happened in history in the history books you know however incidences like this like history like this can't be hidden or like wiped out because people like you will bring it up, you know? So when people say that like, oh, like I've never heard of this, that's not enough. Like people have to be vigilant, like actively be looking for what happened in history to educate themselves. Okay, so um, so for the people who don't know, I'm around 23, 24. You're not sure TikTok. how old you are? That sucks. Okay, you know what? I will be 24 this year, but I'm 23 currently. What I'm trying to say is TikTok is a huge thing right now, correct? Um, so what I've seen a lot of young activists saying online or doing online is educating themselves not through history books, not through textbooks, but online articles just going in and typing and just reading and rereading and rereading and just compiling information and sharing that wealth on any platform, no matter how many followers they have. Because I think like up until recently, like, and even now people know that like the history books don't teach us anything and the history is completely whitewashed and no sense is any credit given to anyone. And if it's not, white people who are being hurt it kind of is put aside unless it comes to you know oh you know civil rights mlk woohoo 
no, there's a lot yeah. more that goes <laughs> to it than behind that. And, and, and I find and that, it very insulting, you know, when people try to like compare things because there is no comparison, period. Yeah, no, I think you're completely right. This, this massacre, I'm going to keep calling it that because that's what it was. That is it, what it was. It, it makes no sense that I was 21 when I heard about this. That makes no sense. Oh, um, I'm 23 and I didn't hear about it until today from you. And then when I tried to look into it myself, the fact that it was called the Tulsa race riots to make it sound like it was just this big, uh, white versus black thing. Yeah. And yeah, it, it, I guess technically it kind of was, but it was a lot against a little and one group brought airplanes and explosives. And you know what this really sounds like? And this is a, a very like distant thread, but it also connects. And I'm going to step on toes, but it's fine. <laughs> What's happening in Palestine right now? One side has planes, the other doesn't. But the other side, you know, is like said to like, you know, like have terrorists, you know. But when you look at like journalists who are being arrested for being like for posting what's actually happening, you see people literally throwing rocks at tanks. That is what is happening. So like, I feel like that in a way, but like I said, very loosely connected, but in terms of like one side having a lot of power and the other not. No, I, I understand that connection 100%. And I think for me, another connection I was making was just thinking about things that are going on. <laughs> okay, let's think about the protests for racial justice in the United States recently. Yeah. And it, people then tying all actions to, um, how do I say this? People attributing all actions that took place during a time of protest to everyone the movement there. itself yeah and they were saying yeah. oh it's these groups that are rioting and burning things down it's like nah dude like most of these people are doing are protesting and then you have some yahoos that want to burn something down but like it, you can't paint the whole thing as something that makes your side sound well, better yes and absolutely that's, and that's but that's what bias is that's what yes. bias is and that's what people don't understand. It's not, um, you know, political partisanship. It's not one side or the other. That, that's the definition of bias. Yeah. And that's, it's plain and simple. So when people try to justify that, it's very ignorant. <laughs> it's very ignorant. And we have, we have bias in so many things, but in this just to tie it to circle it back it's frustrating that our history is told in such a biased manner starting with the founding of this country oh 100 percent. we we credit these white exploring pioneers who came to this blank land 
and started a that's country. Not, okay, here, here, you want to talk <laughs> about bias? I'll say something else. And this is not a shot at you, but I'm saying how we're programmed that no matter how much we're trying to like, you know, like fix our cognitive self, we still mess up. You said like a blank land. It wasn't blank. There were people here. It was their country, was their nation. Just know, because was, there wasn't a flag right. on it. Yeah. You know, that's no, I'm, yeah. like I said, like I'm not taking shots at you, mm-hmm. but I'm saying like, it's like, that's how we were programmed. That's how the we were that's what we're told yeah yeah it's basically like they found this blank canvas of you know perfect prosperity that they just happened to then cultivate and create this great civilization when in reality we had a bunch of murderers come over from europe and kill people and steal their culture and say oh this is the type of food you were growing. Teach me how you did it. Oh, now that I know I'm going to kill you. So now I can take it all. Like that was, that's what they did. But when we read about it, it's like you get the, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And then we have. Founded America. Then we have, yeah, we have Plymouth Rock and we have Jamestown and we have all these things. And we don't talk about, uh, we gloss over the parts where they just came over here and killed everyone and forced people into if they didn't kill them they forced them into camps or to made them keep moving away from their own land oh and and on you know on the other side of it they also brought people from another country where they stole them and then put them in chains and said hey you know you're going to come over here and work for us for free while we kill those other people and it's just we're not taught it that way um which kind of dovetails into something else that I wanted to talk about but we're not people aren't taught the real history of our country and we expect people to then know the real history or know how to plan for the future when they don't really know what happened before. I think what people don't recognize is that, or let's pretend that everyone had a very good conscience when writing these history books, correct? The only thing that history has taught us is that history repeats itself, period. And without being fully equipped with knowledge, it is absolutely going to repeat itself. So when people say, oh, things have changed. No, they haven't. No, they haven't. Did you, I, I want to, I don't know who said it. I think it was a senator on um, a news interview. And he said something like, oh, well, like, yeah, the Native Americans, like, yeah, they don't get credit. Like, they didn't really do anything. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. I do. And I was absolutely blown away. Like the audacity that people have these days is genuinely mind blowing. Yeah, so that was um, Rick Santorum who was recently fired from CNN. He was the, um, he was a he was a senator from Pennsylvania a long time ago, or not too long ago, very recently. And yeah. then after he was out, he was a CNN contributor, and he said that. And then, eventually, a month later, CNN fired him. But yeah, it's it's this thing, it's this thought that 
what his actual wording was like the founding fathers birthed yeah he said they birthed a nation out of nothing and that there was no real native american culture or something like that something Um, like that yeah yeah and yeah just all problematic but (laughs) what's hard is i already know the answer to this question have you seen the newsroom (laughs) okay um just you're 0 for 3 um like i said okay (laughs) it's not my night give me a break (laughs) no but on the newsroom one of the bigger you know people can have their thoughts on that show um but one of the biggest pieces of it is in the pilot episode where a girl asks the main character what makes America the greatest country in the world and he goes on to explain why it's not oh I've seen that clip everywhere yeah yeah so so that's from the newsroom and um there's this this fear that I feel like people have that they feel like if they don't admit all of the faults of the United States or of America, that people will stop to believe, stop believing that thing that we pride ourselves on of being the greatest country in the world. And I've never lived in another country. I don't know. I've never been to another country. I don't know. But there's this exceptionalism that we teach around here about how we're the greatest and if we're honest about our dark past some people fear that that will taint that view of being the greatest I think okay it was the clip that you were talking about he goes on to saying that we're not now but we were once upon a time and in a sense I can see where he's coming from just in the fact that when he because he elaborated by saying that neighbors would help neighbors these days, neighbors are the ones who are, like, problematic. Do you understand what I'm trying yeah. to say? Like, there used to be, like, like a baseline of respect, like, regardless of politics, regardless of your beliefs. Like, we were human first, and we were treated as humans first very lightly. But you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> but these days, it's, like your policy stances completely determine who you are. But in a way, I understand that mainly because of what happened in the last four years, because it stopped being about politics. It was completely about human rights. It was about race rights. It was about anything and everything you can talk about. Like it was anything but policy. It was an attack on anyone who wasn't white and male. And the scary part is that like older generation of like white women don't see that because it doesn't affect them anymore in the sense of like when it comes like right now, Roe versus Wade, like that's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Where's it gonna go? Yeah, that's I have a whole nother direction to go on that, but um you're not wrong and there's been uh, i've seen some studies that talk about the uh, 
penchant for white women to uphold some of these, the white male patriarchy because they've benefited from it. And you don't attack things that you benefit from traditionally. Um, And so that's kind of a, a sticky point because it's like, well, it it seems like for some of them they might it's like well why don't you like these people but some of these issues are clearly anti-woman like why can't you see that and it it just doesn't click because it's like well you know I gotta protect what got me here um and that's it's problematic and it's hard but it's where we are and it's one of those things that we have to fight with um I mean you mentioned the upcoming challenges to row um, mm-hmm. that can go a whole lot of ways. And there have been for years, people have talked about that being, there being a threat and the people you were referring to were also the same people that were like, Oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Like you're just being hysterical or you're like, you're worrying too much. It's fine. And it's a nice place of privilege to be able it's, to say no, something. it is fine. privilege. <laughs> or when someone says that it doesn't affect me or like, I want to be impartial. No, that is what privilege is. It's you simple. Have the like, to do. Yeah. Because you have, yeah. Or because you're choosing to stay uninformed because I can respect someone's opinion. Mm-hmm. If you can form an educated argument after reading facts from both sides but that's doesn't happen anymore it doesn't and that's simple yeah no yeah i mean you're absolutely right and it's it's difficult to get people to see that um and uh, most people not most people i don't want to throw generalizations but a lot of people get their information from headlines and then it's headlines that were curated for what they already believed anyway. I think it's very, have you ever seen the documentary called Social Dilemma on Netflix? I get to be you in this situation. No, I haven't seen it. It's on my watch list. You need to, because it fits so well with what we're talking about right now, just in terms of headlines. It's absolutely mind blowing. But what's even scarier is the fact that even big like news groups have stopped being unbiased. Yep. There is absolutely no way for people to go to one source and get like completely unbiased information. Whatever. Wrong. What? You're wrong. I get all the... I get all the best news by looking on Facebook. Everything on Facebook is true. <laughs> I mean, if you want to say that, I mean, I think Fox News is pretty great. I don't even use Facebook. You know this. <laughs> yeah, I don't have cable, so I don't watch Fox News, thank God. But what I'm trying to say, that's what I'm trying to say, though. Like, I don't know any source that is just completely forthcoming about all information in one article it it's just so much about stances to curate views or readers that appeal to them that we've lost the way of telling the truth or educating the general public 
because lately if when mm, I was talking to my friends and this is what's scary um what this past election brought out was we were talking and they asked me they're like oh like what's your source and I was like oh you know like I have a couple I was like CNN and like BBC like you know like these couple like you know of sources and I was like okay like well about yours and they were like I saw on Facebook or I saw on Instagram (laughs) or it's like I watched this podcast and I'm just like that's it that's it because I hope whoever is listening to like what we're talking about hopefully goes out and like you know researches whatever our stances are and come up with their own stances and not just take our word for it yep and I think I was thinking about that before we started recording and you were making fun of me for my research <laughs> on the microphone, but like, I, I do like, at least for myself, I do, I won't give myself much credit on anything, but I do give myself a little credit on wanting to learn. And like, yes, I was looking for a microphone for a podcast. I was like, I want to look up from different people's perspectives what's the best option and I think for news and for things that have happened I think that's the same approach should be taken not to find what people think is the best news but actually get to the bottom of what happened and I posted this a couple weeks ago regarding Palestine or like just regarding that whole situation I didn't want to have an opinion and say anything without being informed. Yes. See, that is fine. But when people (laughs) just look at an issue and like, "Mm, mm," that's a place of privilege because it doesn't affect you, but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be educated about it. Yep. You know, and that's not to say that like, you know, education about everything that's going on, because I understand that's not possible. We're humans, but this is a big issue because of where Israel is getting their funding. Does yeah. that make sense? It does. Like AO, like, but the thing is, like, like AOC's talked about this. Like, like legislators have been trying to talk about this, but has it gained any traction anywhere? No. Have any of the protests that thousands, tens of thousands of people have been protesting in Chicago, in Texas, and LA? I don't know a single news outlet that has covered them. Period. And all of that goes back to where we started about just how we want to present history, what we want to remember and what we don't. Mm -hmm. And there's a, historically, there's a side that very rarely gets painted in a bad light. And if there's something that could paint it in a bad light, it magically- taken out, disappears. And so- it's, it's interesting. You know what's really great? I, I think we as a civilization, and I say civilization because this is throughout, not just our country, have taken a step back in terms of we can't have a civilized conversation without someone being like, you don't belong here. Yeah. Go back to where you came from. Why don't you get back in your boat and go back to where you came from? At least you know where you came from. Does that make any sense to people? No, it doesn't because that would require them to actually think. Which is it, rude, but it is true. I think I think for <laughs> we should quickly point out that it, 
people already know I'm not white. So people know that, but <laughs> neither of us are white on this today. No, so, we're not. <laughs> um, so, and yes, and I'm not that, being racist toward and, some I promise. <laughs> <laughs> and, but, and with that, we can, we can freely admit, I mean, I know I can, I'm going to speak for you, but we can freely admit that we also have our own biases that we hold. Um, 100%. Like, can be open about that, but we 100%. recognize it and we admit it. Um, yes. <laughs> but the thing is, when we do recognize we have bias on a topic that is gained, like, mainstream attention, we do our duty and, like, we actually go, like, research as much as we possibly can. Um, so something else I just wanted to quickly shift to just because it's a hot button issue right now. Uh oh, I'm kind of nervous. Have you seen the discussions on critical race theory? Yes. Okay. Uh, Just before I start talking about my own personal feelings, how do you feel about this whole? No, I would like. (laughs) You gotta go first because I'm honestly genuinely very, very curious. Um, so for me, going back to our, our, where we started all this talking about the Tulsa race massacre and the whitewashing of history, I think it's very important that we do teach people more a more comprehensive view of race in the United States and that we are honest about how all of these different societal issues play a part in what happened and what currently exists. And so for people to understand that though, there needs to be a more targeted explanation of how things in the past have created this systemic issue that we have today. So talking about previous zoning laws or housing policy or discrepancies in lending or being completely honest, going all the way back to the 1619 project and talking about how slavery, how this country was founded on slavery and how wealth has been accumulated because of slavery and how this country became a world leader because they got free labor for hundreds of years where why are you punishing me i didn't have slaves i'm not doing anything wrong why are you trying (laughs) to tell me about this exactly exactly And, and that's being able to teach that though is important and letting people understand that we didn't just magically become a super world superpower with money. It just didn't fall from trees. It became, it came from the systemic oppression of one group at the advantage of another. And going back to where we just were, what we were just talking about, a lot of people don't want to talk about it because it creates that negative light on a specific group that really doesn't want to admit that it's just difficult, but we 
I think it's about accountability. Yes. No one is saying when we bring up issues like this that, hey, you right there who was born 10 years ago, like you're responsible for this. No one is saying that. Yep. But I think the main issue of this, the main goal necessarily is to see how it is still current and how it is still ingrained in today's, like in today's society and how, how people are still blind to it. And I say blind because- I was going to challenge that word, but go ahead. And I say blind because it's not like they're like, you know, like, like small articles from like, you know, like the guardian or like little publications trying to like shed light. People have been vocal and I'm not just talking about like BML in general. I'm talking about like advocates, celebrities, anyone and anyone who has a platform and who believes in this has been speaking up. If you follow sports, I guarantee you a sports figure speaking out about this. I feel like you like music, celebrities have been talking like movie stars, mm-hmm. your neighbors, like, and the thing is, I think instead of being like, okay, like, let me learn, people are doubling down because like you said, <laughs> it's yes. a blame game. And, but that's not what it is. It's, it's supposed to be a combined effort to tear this down. If that makes sense. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think this, this current fixation with maintaining the status quo and the willful blindness of the past, the, the attacks on sharing the truth is very frustrating for me as a black person to deal with because it's like anytime anyone wants to point out how people have been wronged or how, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, you're just trying to make the case for reparations or whatever, but no, it's like, we just want, you use the great word accountability, people to understand where things have come from. And that's part of it is having some accountability for the systems that we've created and this unfair multiple leg up for one group over the other. So for me, the the pushback to teaching the history of our country in schools it's it's just frustrating to me that there's this segment of people who feel like to tell the truth and to show how all of these things are very easily linked and correlated to say that, oh, well, we can't talk about that because then that's telling, you know, young white kids that they are inherently terrible or racist. And it's like, no, that's not what it's doing. And like, 
the fact that that's all you get from it is troubling. Yes. Or um, I don't know if you saw this. It was last month or the month before there were a couple articles about a New York private school. I think it was Dalton and it's one of like a, it's like a private prestigious school and they were making a conscious effort to like, you know, like have like classes about race and like racial like inequality and the backlash from the parents was mind-blowing. Yeah. Mind-blowing. It's, it, what's mind-blowing is that even because colleges of colleges started it colleges started offering classes to talk about these types of things and you had state legislatures then respond by trying to pass legislation to say no you can't teach that not I mean, in I our think state that's what's and... very troubling is that <laughs> to high schools not by any means saying that like it's okay but high schools have a like a particular curriculum to stick by and that's a completely different side yeah but i'm talking about colleges where professors have a lot more leeway mm -hmm. to talk about what they want i mean there was a professor at one of my universities who said that hitler didn't do anything wrong yep so when professors are allowed to say that but not address racial inequalities no matter what class it comes in okay because we're all human and we all have been to college or people who have been to college or even any school like even in high school we tangent off we will start on one topic and then it will snowball into something else like the conversation just keeps flowing so when questions about race come up or we ask professors about their opinion or what their take is on a current event they completely take a U-turn and go back to the lesson at hand conveniently. Yep. Whereas the previous 25 minutes where we were talking about anything and everything else, the <laughs> lesson plan didn't necessarily matter. Yep. And I'm saying this because I've experienced this and I was a political science major. This was my life. <laughs> and I had professors like, steering clear away from topics about race yeah and i find that very troubling it's not like i was an english major you know like i'm trying to find any like plausible excuse where it could fit it, it there isn't especially with my concentration or your concentration yep i mean uh we talked about it a little bit more in my political science department because we had a few professors who were very educated in race. Mm -hmm. um, I took race and the law um, as one of my classes my senior year. Um, and we talked about uh, race and politics it, so we, I had classes on it, but even then trying to distill all of that down to a three credit hour class, because there's not much of a focus And this kind of brings it back to what we're or talking about. Or what they say is yeah. interest. Yeah. They say, oh, this class isn't offered this year. Like we don't have a lot of students who are interested <laughs> in this class and they cancel it for the other 20 because the other seven seats weren't full. 
Yeah. One thing that I think, even having the option to have these classes, though, is they shouldn't be relegated to specific classes. They should be integrated into all the classes when you're talking about economics, even talking about how race has played a role in how the market's been set up, like finding these integrated points because they're all connected yeah people refuse to believe that yep and that's and i think i think the first step because you work in law like you work in policy making like you've seen how slow changes and it's very slow period it's slow i thought it was fast no i'm kidding (laughs) but i'm talking about this is what came to mind when you were just um saying about classes being integrated why not make it a core class in terms of the first two years because every college student knows the first two years they're all generals you know they're general classes that you need no matter what your degree is so if you make one class a general why don't we see how much interest is actually there because we're not just because why are you trying to indoctrinate our kids with this woke this wokeness okay but here's the thing if you're so against it have your kids be in the class and stand up for their points and learn both sides and then still defend it do you understand what i'm trying to say like have an argument that's based around scholarly articles and if it is and if they support your point of view absolutely we will all listen But when people are trying to argue opinions with facts or facts with opinions, you're not going to get anywhere, period. You you know what that makes me think of? What? Arguing facts with opinions. It makes me think of what we were talking about earlier about trying to fight planes with rocks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, please, like, there is no (laughs) comparison. There is no comparison. Yeah. But somehow we have trained generations to believe that it is a thing that, hey, my opinion matters just as much as the facts do. Because, and people think it's either one or the other, but that's not the case. You can absolutely have your opinions, mm-hmm. be educated. I think that's the first step. And that's a very, that sets the bar so low. I can't even emphasize that (laughs) because like you're laughing, but when you think about it, it does make you laugh because that's the bare minimum. It's the bare minimum. It's the bare minimum. It's, it's a laugh of frustration that like, I was going to say you basically just summed it up or some, you know, to asking people to read or think critically. And you know what really cracks me up is um, when people go, I don't have the time. I don't have the time to go on the internet. Or when they're like, yeah, I saw it on Facebook. And then I saw the same thing on Instagram. And then I was talking to my cousin and she did the same thing on WhatsApp. What? (laughs) I think it's so concerning that we have relied on social media as a source oh god yeah that's it yeah that's 
so I, I think when you think about every single topic we have talked about this session so far, because we've jumped through a lot and we've tried to cover or put our like, you know, like our two cents in about almost every single nook and cranny, they're all connected. And I hope that's what like people can see is that we were able to jump from one topic to another without breaking the line of thought because they all fit. Yeah. You're so wise. Not really. <laughs> you were concerned. No. Um... Oh, I'm absolutely concerned, <laughs> but I'll tell you why. Um, because if we don't see change soon, I'm terrified to see what the world will look like in 20 years. I don't eat. There's so many things that terrify me about the, the direction of our country, of the world. Um, I don't even know how to, God, I don't know how to even get into it just because it's so scary. And there's so many things that I see like looking, being forward thinking a little bit. And it's, it's the pushback to basic concepts like critical thinking that make me even more scared because I, I disagree with you on 20 years because I think if people stop thinking critically at the rate that they are and relying on social media, which we all know is it's managed the biggest and, superpower yeah and it's it's, it's i hate it's saying manipulated this, but... by an algorithm yes and if if we rely on those things and the misinformation and and failure to read and critically think i don't think i'm not scared of 20 years i'm scared of 5 or 10 years from now <laughs> not to end you know not to start ending on a scary note so we can think of something fun for a second. <laughs> so no, I, I think just, it's I 20 years, yeah. But when you put it like that, 20 <laughs> years is a long time. Yeah. I think it's scary right now. Um, and this is not to get I mean, I don't care if I get political, it's fine. Um, it's because during like Memorial Day, just this past weekend, um, people are still refusing to accept truths in terms of like the election. Oh yeah, don't get um, me started. I don't know if you saw like, About yeah, August. like, you know, like, <laughs> I can't, I can't, <laughs> I can't, like it, we laugh, but deep down, like it's terrifying. I, I, I'm, I'm laughing out of terror. <laughs> Yes. Um, yeah. It's a nervous laugh. And I feel like it's, I just don't, I don't know how anyone can feel anything other than terror. We have completely shooken up the one thing what this country was built upon in terms of having a voice and those voices mattering. Yeah. Or, you know, like accepting truths. Like, I, I, when I was shook this election cycle, when we, ref when people of the country refused to believe 
the outcome since like, like it's terrifying because that's the first time I've seen it happen in my generation. Yeah. To that extent. It's like people were like friend, my like people who I considered friends were like posting things on Facebook saying like showing like um pictures of like Illinois where most of it is red and Chicago was blue obviously in terms of like votes and them being like well how can Biden win Illinois when all of this is red and only this little spot's blue and that's another thing when it comes back to education is like land doesn't vote people vote like when you look at population density it makes sense but people don't want to look that far yeah you know critical thinking remember (laughs) here remember yeah so on that exciting note um what's something uh, here we'll 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 close on inspiration or uh, something because you said you don't know how people don't aren't terrified or what keeps people going or whatever one thing that does make me feel better is there a bunch of people like you or people who are younger than me or younger than us or people who are even older or whatever who are dedicated to doing better? And you said this earlier about people learning and people trying to get words out or messages out through TikTok or trying to get people to learn and read and to think. And I think that if we keep, if we put some faith in those types of efforts if we find ways to meet people where they are to get them to pay attention I think we can be better I don't want to say we'll be okay but we can be better and it might be the 20 years instead of the five that I worry about because you have some people who are very very active on TikTok that have some very informative things and yeah they're pointing to different spots on a video but they might have a link to something for you to go read later and it's like okay okay, we, we have some people who are trying to do good and that does make me feel a little better. I think it's the same for me, but it, I I'll see on a daily basis. Yeah, well, you know what? You took you stole mine. So like, I can't really cut you off, can I, when you're starting <laughs> to talk? But um, it's, it's the passion, like the like people like our age or younger hold these days to get other people educated it's genuinely that and I'm not talking when I say like educated I mean like you know like sitting in a classroom and being like this this and this it's kids who take time away like you know like they do their schoolwork they do their sports they're exhausted they do their extracurriculars and they come back and stay informed and then go on TikTok to post a 30 minute video that they did research for for three hours yeah just for 30 seconds to be like hey this, 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 and this, this is what's happening. And that's mind blowing to me. Uh huh. And that gives me so much hope and so much faith because it's not easy talking about politics. You get hate from both sides. Mm-hmm. It's not just the opposite side. It's even the side that you're trying to portray. Yes. But these kids aren't doing that, which is what is so amazing to me. They're not choosing sides. They are just presenting information that they see. 
if there's a stance and their followers want them to give a stance, they will give a stance, which is also unheard of because unless you're a politician, you usually don't take stances because it's an awkward situation. So for these kids who are 18, 17, 16, to use their platform to hundreds of thousands of followers and be like, this is what I believe in, courage. I like it. Right? Yeah. I'll, I'll end with this. I saw this TikTok today of this valedictorian in Texas. And she was supposed to read her speech. Paxton that was, Smith. Yeah. Yes. And just makes your day, doesn't it? It does. So people like that. That's, yeah. Who That's, go, who stand up, who go against everything. They, no, I think that's great. Who, yeah, and most of these kids go against how they were raised. <laughs> and those people... And are usually the ones who make the change. <laughs> they are definitely learning to find another way to fight back and not just using rocks. And that's what I appreciate. Yeah. Educate yourselves, people. <laughs> Woo! Just kidding, but not really. Well, we're going to stop on that one, (laughs) especially with the woo. (laughs) But thank you for doing this. And hopefully we get to do more of these because it's fun. I'm very excited. (laughs) The music you hear throughout this recording was produced by Esquire Music alongside Spice Productions. 